That's right, host Chris from Between the Profound and the Profane, a comedy podcast from thebonushours.com. Between the Profound and the Profane, where lifelong friends gather together to trade friendly stories, give friendly advice, and try to learn something new about their friends. And while we're at it, maybe make some new friends. So if you would like to be a new friend, why don't you jog on over to thebonushours.com and get you a heavy dose of what we call Between the Profound and the Profane, part of the No Phony Podcast Network, found at nophonynetwork.com. Welcome to Heroes Garage. This is a weekly podcast where we review TV shows and movies that are science fiction, fantasy, superhero, or horror-based. Bill, yes. how are you doing today as we live through this real-life horror? No kidding, man. Um, I didn't know how comfortable I would actually be in working at home. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm actually part of the essential workforce. And yeah, look at I, you. Yeah, so I am driving back and forth to work every day, working with teenagers. Well, how's that been going? It's good, but you can imagine any sign of a sniffle or a nose blow, and we're driving people to the ER and calling all the parents and trying to think if we all need to evacuate, and that's just kind of our, our life right now. It's just crazy. I can only imagine. Yeah. And you really feel for people that are literally on the front lines where they are handling patients and they're in a, mm-hmm. in a health environment where people are sick and everybody's worried about whether they're going to be the next ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yep. But you know what, Bill? That's why we distract ourselves and we That's talk right. about we watch a lot of shows on streaming services, and then we get on podcasts and we talk about them. Yeah, yes, yes. So, shall we dive right in? Let's dive in. So, today we are going to review the entire the entirety of Season 1 of Hannah, the Prime Original Series. This is a sci-fi... Well, it's actually... How would you categorize this, Bill? Is my brain just short-circuited on me, and I, I have no words? Well, you know, it, it does go in the action thriller uh, genre with the tinge of sci-fi. How's that? Thank you. I have no idea, so thank you. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> For the audience, Tom is walking into the I don't care mode. No, you know but- what it is? Yeah, let's do th- let's do this. <laughs> this is we were having this conversation before we got on air. This is one of those shows where okay, so we look at the critics. The critics on Rotten Tomatoes they gave it a sixty-seven percent, and right. the general audience gave it an eighty-two. So now we start to wonder why, right? Right. We're like, well, how exactly. does it? How do we have this divide of fifteen? Per- well, not fifteen. Yeah, 15%. And, and there's been times where, where, like, the critics are clueless. They don't know what they're talking about. I mean, we have, we've had plenty of episodes we just rail on the critics, right? They right. don't appreciate what we're viewing, and the audience is right. Mm-hmm. This time, we have to look at what is, the heck is the audience thinking. And, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Amazon, I'm looking at those reviews. They're at a 4.1 out of 5. And there are just some people that flat out give it one star, and then there's people that just give it um, all five stars, which I think is just nonsensical anyway. I mean, I just loved it. 
it, which oh, I'm giving it five stars. I'm like, well, what's your metric, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what? How did you give this an eighty-two percent? Is what I would be wondering. Yeah. Um, because it just has. It's just one of those things where if you think about some of the concepts, like some of the different pieces, you think, well, this is this could be really interesting. But then when you watch it, you're like, well, actually, it's not. And <laughs> uh, and you could blame me because I was already down that rabbit hole and watching this because I was thinking, oh, uh, I liked Hannah the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Why not watch Hannah the show? Because, you know, it's prime and, you know, it's part of the prime package. Mm-hmm. So why not? It, it seems like it's a little more in-depth, one would believe. Right? Hope to believe. <laughs> and uh, so there you go. And um, mm. wow. So this is, here this we is are. Gonna be, yeah, this is the, what we're going to So we'll head into our structure and how our structure okay. uh, looks for those who are first-time listeners, and we want to keep you listening, so we'll try to keep our structure going. So we, we'll give a summary of the story, and then we typically, uh, Bill is the critic, I'm the counselor. Bill will give us more of a film's critic, bird's-eye view of the story, and talk through some of the, the finer points, which he's learned at the prestigious Columbia College in downtown Chicago, albeit years, even decades ago at this point. Um and I will jump in with, you know, what what seemed to grab me emotionally, if anything. And right. I think with this, like with this property, we really lean on and appreciate a critic's perspective because it's easy to to watch something and just think, well, I just didn't like it. And you don't really know why. And our hope today right. is that Bill will provide some insight as to, and some some critique of right. this show that's a little bit more informed than than just the average person. So. The story goes like this. Hannah is an extraordinary girl who has been raised in the forest, evading the relentless pursuit of an off-book CIA agent. This series, part high-concept thriller, part coming-of-age drama, follows the girl on her journey as she tries to unearth the truth behind who she is. Hannah is based on the 2011 film of the same name that starred Oscar-nominated actress... Hmm. I can't, even, I can't even say this name. The last name is Ronan in the title role. Oh, boy. There, that's where uh, I'm at mentally. There so, you go. This episode precious. dropped February 3rd, 2019. So we sat on this for over a year, Bill. Well, uh, you can, you can find this on Amazon. Why. <laughs> yeah. You can find this on Amazon Prime if you're a Prime subscriber, and you can enjoy eight episodes. It was created by David Farr, and it's starring Esme Creed Miles as Hannah, Morelli Enos as Marissa, Joel Kenman of um, what's the name of that that really that show that everybody's watching now that's on Netflix and everybody loves. I can't remember. Altered Carbon. Altered Carbon. Um, yeah. Yeah. Joel Kenman is Eric. Um, Khalid Abdallah as Jerome Sawyer, Katie Clarkson Hill as Joanne McCoy, Rian Barito as Sophie, and I stopped there just to spare the audience. So, yes, Bill, why don't you walk us through some of the finer points of the story, or even start where you'd like? <laughs> finer points. You're so funny. <laughs> uh, you know what's interesting is I, I did like the 2011 Hannah movie. And, um, you know, you're dealing with a, usually what a two hour movie where it, it, things are moving along at a faster pace. And boy, uh, man, I think I, that was what I was dreaming about halfway through the series. Why can't we move along at a faster pace? Um, yeah, that's, that's your in-depth analysis. Um, You know, what's interesting in this is it starts off really, um, you know, secret spy agent, underground government type stuff. And it had it, it, it captures an intrigue. And, you know, that's the first episode is always supposed to do that. Right. Is to mm-hmm. kind of bring you in. And then, you know, then you see what happens and 
the dad escapes with the baby and then all of a sudden fast forward 15, 16 years, she's in the forest and dad's been training her all her life to be a killer, a session. And it has some uh, intrigue because she's been isolated. And then it slowly starts to get into this. She meets a boy, she eats some candy bars and man, every father's nightmare happens yeah she's discovered and now they have to be on the run and immediately all that paranoia that he fed into her is actually true Mm -hmm. it's not paranoia there is a secret agent that is after her and so they're on the run and i thought for the first few episodes that uh at least the first couple episodes it was interesting how they had to duck and run and then they're split up and uh, she has to go and get in survival mode. And then immediately she hooks up with another teenager. And that's when two middle-aged men just all of a sudden lose interest. <laughs> that's where I'm literally like, okay, I gotta, I'll got fast forward most of this. Let me, let me see if there's anything salvageable. And then, oh my, there's a story coming again. And then you're like, I, do I care? No, I don't. So I have a question to ask you. So let's let's rewind. So yeah, okay. let's start with why. Why a Romanian facility? Why a Polish forest? What was the premise for these babies being manufactured, for lack of a better word? Well, it's you, that they are a hidden society, another covert government, because we know that what makes great movies is covert government. Agencies, James Bond. So we have a covert government agency that is raising children to become assassins, and mm. that they are completely brainwashed. But they're also like have their DNA messed up, so they have special abilities to have extra special fighting powers. Mm. Really. Is it just me, go. or does that just does that just kind of totally go over your head and just not really land? Like like interest you? Yeah. Is that is that what you're trying to say? Interest yeah. you? That, yeah. The that premise. was interesting. Yeah. Like a lot of times, what happens is people start off a, a critique and they'll say, "Well, the premise is good," but I have to bite my tongue even to go even you know, well, the premise, and then I stop. Like right, because the, the premise is this: is this is covert government agency that was raising these babies messing with their DNA to be special agents. And, you know, the premise is um, it's, it's been used before, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of this is all girls. It's not a a mixed gender of, you know, it almost is going to be following up with another movie coming up by Marvel, Tom called black widow. So you get to relive this premise all over again when we're allowed to go in the movie theater. I don't think we're going to be allowed to see that in the theaters. I think they're going to be releasing that as a streaming property only. That's the rumor floating around that Twitter. The rumor? Yeah, but I digress. So, so there's a Black what, Widow premise, what, right? So what country and for what purpose, what government, like what, who, what, where? So much confusion, Tom. So much confusion. <laughs> I mean, the CIA is involved. Is it? Is it supposed to be and, like? You know what's great about it is because it's not Russian, so we know the Russians aren't involved. So the Romanians, you know, why not have the Romanians involved? Because hey, let's face it, we haven't had them involved in anything for a while. So let's bring the Romanians in, and you know, mm. they kind of sound Russian, so. Hey, I think we have that type of Red Army feel, but you know it's been adapted by the U.S., so that's why Romanian works. It's a Slavic, and you know we always had that Slavic, right? And usually it's thought of the Ukraine or it's Russian, but this time it's Romanian. So um, you know that's basically, and there's a lot of forests too, Tom. So you know mm. that's why you could just kind of cover something up because it's. It's not been their their nature hasn't been demoralized by industrialization. Mm. Yeah, somehow that all of that doesn't quite capture it for me. 
it doesn't no. connect, you know no. check some of the boxes that you'd like to have checked with uh, your typical yeah. premise. Yeah, um, yeah, but, and, and you would hope that it would it was going to give you something because it does have that kind of Jane Jane's. Well, there you go. There's a slip. Jane, Jane Bond. Mm-hmm. It's a Jane Bond. So instead, you know, it's it's this whole society and you know this covert mm-hmm. operations and it's tired some and. You know, it's so I think immediately when we get into the what I call the discovery that she's a girl and and she's a teenage girl and, you know, do what teenage kids do and they sneak out and go and party and they dance and they meet boys and they go party and they meet boys. And Mm -hmm. how many episodes was that? Wait, that's. That's kind of where my brain shut down because yeah. I didn't know if we were going to get out of that for Yeah, it was like two, three episodes. And it was amazing to me. It was only eight episodes, and it seemed a lot longer because we were in that phase so much longer than we should have been. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping that there was another answer for that, but there yeah. isn't. It gets no, bogged down not. in that. And I think that's probably what you run into. I have a theory out here. Uh, Bill, and I may as well try this theory out on you. Why well, go ahead. Okay. And the problem is I feel like every entity we've been reviewing in the last month and a half has been some version of a teenager show. Yeah. But I think it's very, very easy for the broth to go bad in a teenage show. And yeah. whether it's Anakin Skywalker ruining the entire prequel, the prequel to the Star Wars universe, or... <laughs> If it's every other teenage coming of age story that involves witches or vampires or something supernatural, or it's a covert operation happening in a Romanian facility with a dad raising a girl in a Polish forest, you just run into trouble when you just have these coming of age and you're trying to depict that on in like yeah. two episodes when that's not really what the story is about. But yes, we do want the story to kind of be about that. It's almost like with that, you have to commit to it and make that what the series is about. And it's right. okay. Cause then you can get into all the emotional heartbeats of it. But if yeah. all you're doing is trying to show in two episodes that this is a, a girl trying to figure out that she's a girl in two episodes, I don't think that's enough time. Yeah. And what's hard about it is it's that, you and I have stumbling into these viewing audiences that I guess whenever the main character is going to be in this age group, we should always expect this is going to happen, even though it's based on intrigue and little science fiction and spy thriller. Um, it's, it's a, it's a warning sign that we're, the writers are just going to go there because the character themselves is going to have to have some confrontation or awareness or understanding of who they are as a teenager, or even as their gender. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's tough because she's, you know, and I understand why they went there because she broke away from the father. Now she's on her own. It's not, it's, it's also about fitting into society and blending in. So you can't blend in if you're just this, um, you know, homicidal, you know, killer and you have to have to adapt to society because that's what uh, an assassin always does. They have to fit in. And of course, her being a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to follow into following. Of course, we find one of the most rebellious teenagers for her to actually adapt to. Would I be just realized, like, as you're talking, I just realized why this doesn't work, but I just Go cut you it. off. No, no, I get it. Go ahead. No, there's too many strands here. Like, what yeah. is this supposed to be about? Is it supposed to be about this covert operation? Is it supposed to be about her coming of age? Is it supposed to be about her leaving her father? Is it supposed to be about him finding her his daughter? Is it spo- Like, what are we supposed to be interested in here? And they don't give you enough of a hook in any of those areas. And so I felt like we were just skimming over the surface of all of it. And yeah. that made it not that interesting. But I digress. Yeah. And no, and she does a whole 360, too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she realizes 
it's almost like uh, is it's a female version of Pinocchio, right? She wants to be a girl, and um, she comes all the way back, and really what she wants to do is be with Dad. And uh, she realizes the world is not a happy place, just as much as Pinocchio realized. So <clears throat> it's just that she is not a puppet, or is she? And being a homicidal mm. killer. So, uh, you know, there's there's some in-depth here. There's there's some interesting parts of it, I thought, mm-hmm. um, that you just wish they stayed in longer. You, you kind of think of, let's say she came into a, a teenager that really wasn't this rebellious. And she was more of an introvert. Um, would it be more interesting? Um to see her perspective of views, it probably wouldn't because it's not entertaining, right? But um, right. you're right; it just kind of dabbles in everything without really fulfilling anything. Yeah, because you like one thing you've kind of hinted at a few times, and I cut you off the first time you tried was <laughs> she she runs into a rebellious teenager who kind of befriends her, and right. so that that kind of impacts her whole view of the world, you know, that whole cognitive right. triad piece, you know, our right. beliefs about self, our beliefs about others, and then our beliefs about the world around us. Well, the other two halves of that, the other two parts of that triangle are heavily impacted by a rebellious teenage friend of hers. Right. And and then within the within that triangle you have Hannah experimenting um in having a an intimate moment with a boy who's oh by the way dating said rebellious teenage friend so that made it really convoluted yeah sorry yeah it it was strange no it was just it was like again you know it's like we are definitely not the audience but maybe that's uh, another way to look at this too though maybe that's why maybe the maybe the viewing audience were just about 25 and 30 years outside of that metric exactly the wrong gender And, and unfortunately you know the you know, the critics are, are right because they're they're taking a look at this and this is like some coddled mess that has elements because there's some interesting parts of it. I mean, the Apex thing was interesting um, to a degree, right? This baby, the flashbacks of how he was a part of this group and, and um, he was tied up with Marissa. And um, this agency and how Eric rebelled and, and um, you know, that I, I thought, honestly, you know, just kind of breaking away from the story and looking at the characters, you know, there's really some really three central characters. Maybe fourth, you want to talk about her friend. But, you know, you have Eric, you have Hannah and him, Marissa. And. Um, I tell you, I thought the most interesting character all of them was Marissa, the villain. Um, I liked her look. I, I, I was, you know, when I watched my wife, and I said, I like her eyes. I like how she acts with her eyes. I like how she, you know, goes in and plays these roles of, like, this stiff CIA agent. And then all of a sudden, she's like, oh, I'm Hannah's mother, and thank you very much. And I'm like, wow, she does play it good, because we get this straight-laced, hardcore government agent who could just really kill anybody at a whim. But I thought, from an actor perspective, I I liked her the most, and um, I was just fascinated on her acting job more than Hannah's, um, because Hannah's just felt so overdone, and even Eric's. Um, was felt overdone, and I thought Marissa was um, something that was more appealing from just a, as a character. Not to say that she could save the show completely, but uh, I, I I did like her um, probably the most. Yeah, and I I would have to agree with you because she elicited disgust and anger, and I wanted mm-hmm. her to fail. So that means she did a good job, right? Because she's the villain yeah. and. If you're eliciting those kinds of emotions out of the viewer, then you're probably doing a good job as an actor. Yeah, and and, then how she faced betrayal and how she wanted to then join forces and then betray. And and she just rode that agenda. And Mm -hmm. um, she, man, I thought a fantastic job with it because she didn't really know where she was going to go when you thought you could figure it out. And I don't think that was part of a 
convoluted uh, story, um, like I saw October faction. Anyway, that's convoluted. Anyway, I digress. That's really bad. And um, but this one was like, gee, you know, it was intentional. How's that? It was like it was good intentional. It's yeah, that she that- wanted to be in charge. And uh, she was going to do whatever it takes to be in charge of the program, even if these guys were out to kill her. I thought that was is excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was the one bright spot. She kind of stuck to her. The character had enough going for it, and she, as an actor, did a really nice job within her role. Um, yeah. I think Eric's character, I think he played the part, but I wasn't yeah. necessarily... I mean, it's like a six out of ten. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Right. It was kind right. of what it was. Um, right. But what did you think of Eric's character? Yeah, I mean, he, he fulfilled that role. Um, they didn't really give him much to deal with, honestly. Um, you know, he was kind of a run trick pony, pony and all this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, raising one her. Trick, pr- one trick pony. That's right. <laughs> 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 you said something, something else. But. Oh, I'm glad I didn't. Um, he's a one-trick pony character. How's that? Oh, my, <laughs> oh my gosh. I should never talk out a full stomach. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I thought he was just, that was who he was. He rescued her. He's the, you know, he wanted to be a dad or he was a dad. Or was he a dad? I don't know. Was he a dad? Anyway. Um, so what he, do you think? What went south with that whole? Because if you just think about the story, you said this earlier, but I'll, so I won't yeah. belabor it. But if you just think about the, the pieces of that, of the Eric narrative. So he somehow contributes to a birth of a child because right. they're calling him the father. And then it's in this facility. He escapes. He breaks away from the system and tries to raise this girl on his own and tries to find a way for her to live a normal life. You just look at that and you're like, well, that could be interesting, but it, yeah. it wasn't, it didn't quite land like that. No. To what extent no. did that? Yeah. Well, even the flashbacks, I mean, to kind of, it didn't, it didn't really explain really how he broke away. They tried to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Hannah's mother and how she wanted the baby and she was tricked and, but it, it, it didn't elicit any emotion. It didn't even show why he would all of a sudden out of all the women that he would do this. It, it did show why he had conviction to, you know, betray the, what was, mm-hmm. you know, the, the system and, um, you know, what, yeah, ultimately what fed him um that was it was hard i mean yeah i appreciate the the flashback and kind of revealing the story but it didn't have any meat on the bone it just mm-hmm. kind of just laid there and um so uh it, it made it difficult um to understand the whys it wasn't like he really hated the system and they didn't show really the system enough it just showed these brief instances and they didn't get into a true backstory of what apex was all about and i think if they did like explain it like they're biologically changing these children and they're going to be raised as warriors and this is the whole government secret agenda and he starts hating that not just because some mother comes up to him and says she wants her baby back. Yeah. I'm, as you were talking, it was actually sparking my brain to life a little bit and maybe what was lacking in the story, which then drew energy away from this relationship. But when you really think about it, the Eric Hanna connection. Okay. So let me try to do this because it's convoluted. You have, mm-hmm. you, it's built. It's baked into the story that they're going to have a disconnect, right? Because right. she's raised in a facility, and he's stealing her away from facility. So he's. They didn't have this, you know, attached reciprocal, kind of attuned relationship you know, in a facility. I'm sure, right? So that right. is all kind of baked into the story. So then maybe what they needed to do but didn't do 
was highlight the disconnect through her connection, not to some rebellious teenagers, but actually to a maternal figure or to a right. someone who acts as a as a parent and starts to elicit that kind of attuned emotional connection that would help yeah. highlight that she doesn't have that with him. They didn't do any of that, by the way. If you're yeah. just listening, if you're if you fell asleep and just tuned into the podcast right now, they didn't. Do that. <laughs> oh man, I think that you're onto something. You're you're 100 correct because instead of like her bonding with a teenager her age, um, she's bonding more with the mother of the girl that brings her in, and that she's a runaway. Right? Why right. not establish that? She's a runaway, and the mother could relate, and she wants a mom because that's really the crux of all this is she wants a mother. She mm-hmm. wants to have a mom, mm-hmm. and um, and she missed that, that. You're right, that maternal aspect of it. And instead we got the same old story that we get with all of these. And, again, it, and that's catering to uh, a teenage audience, right, instead mm-hmm. of – that's who the audience is. So what do you what do you write for? You write to the audience instead of you don't write to make something great or you write to make something deep and really that everybody could enjoy. Um, that's really what it should be. And you're right. They missed that. That is it. They missed this piece because she was raised by a dad. And what did the dad raise her for? To be a survivalist. Mm-hmm. And there's like so much she's missing. Okay, yeah, she's missing the fact that she was a child and now she's a teenager and she's kind of a kid. But they thrust her into this all of a sudden, yeah, you're a teenager and this is what teenagers do. You know, and, and there's so much that is mm-hmm. need to be filling in the gaps that they mm-hmm. don't fill. And uh, the maternal part could do it because then that gives you some – um some uh friction and mm-hmm. you know when mm-hmm. eric does show up and when marissa shows up who does she need to go to who does she need to protect right. and so there's so much in depth there and it, that's what makes it a great story and you're right that's why it falls flat in its face despite some of the action scenes which are really cool the fight scenes in the hotel and you know when she just goes ballistic it's fun to watch or at the airport and there's some drama there, but there's some cool fighting scenes that kind of keep you in enough, but there isn't enough that's there to really like the whole hotel. You know, there's, I think there's a, like a list about a top five things of action scenes that we, you all, you and I could agree on were great, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't hold the moment at all. Right. Yeah. And then Hannah herself, uh, story wise, I think they, at times she felt lost, and I think that's kind of a parallel, oh, yeah. a parallel process for the story that was kind of lost. And yeah. you run into this, I guess when when everything is at one volume and you don't have enough contrast created by these emotional attachments, which we just got done talking about, what what ends up happening is you have a story that just feels lost, and right. so and, and it doesn't feel that way in a um an attached emotional connected kind of a way it just feels like the story is lost and yeah so i think with hannah i think there's probably parts of it that were pretty interesting i thought it was going to be interesting in the beginning yeah um, me too. and then it, it kind of lost its way in the middle of it and it didn't really connect but what did you think though as a critic though as you're looking at hannah and that character well i mean they they paint her into a corner Right. Of she's a really a survivalist first, girl second, and then they now switch it that she's a girl and she needs to become a girl or a, a young woman. Let me phrase it differently. So Hannah now is in this um, discovery, and we, we've talked about it already that she's discovering really the what the writers are mis- thinking that she's missing is she's missing that young womanhood and this is her now um becoming that young woman and so i guess then that's really the the script kind of dictates that's where hannah should go Mm -hmm. um they do kind of hint that she's always on her guard right 
for the most part. I mean, she does kind of mess up a few times because that young woman part comes in and lets down uh, what she needs to do. But she definitely hates her dad for most of it and then realizes that, you know, she can't live in this story anymore. But I guess as an actress, she she, she checks that box um, as the character. She checks that box. Um, but honestly, there isn't that much excitement that's really around her, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, and that's a shame because you, ha- you do have an interesting character that is troubled, um, that is trying to seek an identity and they, they fill it in the wrong area. They fill it in the same stereotypical way. And that's through this, uh, teenage kind of drama. Mm-hmm. So then as we kind of rail away at this thing, we do understand that this wasn't made for us. And right. this is not a show that we would necessarily connect with. It's not right. like within our wheelhouse as far as even our own experiences or even the things that we've had to kind of struggle with in our own lives. Right. And so that's where we turn to the crick in their view because – I think as a critic, you can look at this and say, well, that's probably all true. But as a critic, you can look at the story, the characters, the visuals, the entertainment value and say, well, beyond that, these were the problems. So, yeah, 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 because sometimes it's it's that a critic could become too critical. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. because they just pick apart a property and they go after these nuances or they don't like some subplot and they. They all kind of bandwagon and jump aboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a case where, yeah, it's, it's flat and it doesn't, it had potential and it's flat. Uh, I thought that the, the last two episodes was more interesting when you go to the facility and you see that there's other girls. Um, when Eric discovers that, no, this has been going on for years and these, there's these, these killers. And then there's one other girl that is kind of an outlier from the other girls. And I thought actually the, the last episode was really good. And um, Mm -hmm. it just shows how really as an organization, they achieved what they want to achieve because all these girls just fall in line Mm -hmm. except for one. And it happens to be the one who is the best. That is more like Hannah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I, I liked, I really liked the ending. Um, I have to say, mm-hmm. um, I thought the fact that even, you know, they're ready to attack the one girl attacks her and Hannah, you know, I think it was Hannah just shoots her. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and protects Eric. And you're like, wow, I mean, yeah. that was, that came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, there's no reason it was like it's combat mode and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it made me think of, okay, um, are we setting ourselves up for a better second show? And, and we've talked about this before that a lot of these first showings set up its itself for a better season, second season, because now Eric's gone in mm-hmm. shock out there. And, you know, Hannah and her quote sister are together and now they're on the run and mm-hmm. Marissa even though she protected them and killed her, you know, her adversary uh, is going to be in charge. Mm-hmm. And um, now they're going to be in the run. Now it has full potential is just completely screwing up. And, you know, they're in society and they're, you know, living in society and they hook up with other teenagers and really just mess everything up. Or it becomes like a Jason Bourne type series where they're just hunting Jason down. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's really what Hannah ultimately becomes as a Jason Bourne. And um, so there there is I hate to say this, some setup here for a better second season. I like to hear that because of that made sense. And it sounded like it was uh, formulated by someone that's looking with a critical a critic's eye at the story itself. There's enough very interesting parts of the story and you trim away some of the fat that didn't work in the first season. And what you just explained actually sounds far more interesting and compelling is you actually gets more, it gets like addition by subtraction. 
you take yeah. away some of the characters that made it feel convoluted and now you just focus in on some of the more interesting aspects of the story and it could actually be a, a much better season two. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why I like the Jason Bourne series, right? Because isn't this Jason Bourne, wasn't he raised to be this government operative and that really doesn't have a full understanding of his identity or, you know, everybody's after him and he can't trust anybody. And um, if you really keep it into a spy thriller scenario, I think that really this could be a, a very interesting show. And if they just take that that society part of it, um, yeah, they have to fit in. Yeah, they're going to have to figure out how to live in hiding amongst the society and the people. But if they kind of really get into how do they survive, how do they live, um, man, I think you got you really could have a good show rather than all of a sudden they fit in and they're normal and everybody accepts them they're normal. That's what messed up this this series. Yeah. So if you were to rate this, yeah. what would you rate this? Um, wow. I, I, I would have to say I give it about a five out of ten, honestly. Um, I found myself – it's kind of hard because I, I wouldn't say I was thoroughly disgusted, but I was disgusted enough. And I think that I, why I'm getting harsh in my rating is – is that I, I really had higher expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, that's probably part of the rating is, is I really believe that they had some great material to make something out of it, and um, they, they didn't. And because of it, I, I'm, I'm a little more harsh in it. It wasn't horribly bad, but to me, I think it was disappointing. I would say it wasn't bad. It was disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, and of course my metric is pass-fail, and there's a slight adjustment. We do this sometimes when we're talking about comic books, like would I continue, would I pick it up? Um, In this, I would say no. I mean, if it were just left up to me, would I pick it up and watch the second season? No. Now, would I pick it up and watch it again if we chose to revisit it later on, like a six months to eight months from now, just to see if we were right about it? Yeah. But yeah. just just gauging it by my interest level, no, I wouldn't pick this up. So um, your your actual was is your actual scale is did it pay off? No, no, it didn't. <laughs> that was quick, out of the gate. No way. Uh uh-uh. uh. I I struggled to even. I was just fighting, and just was kept watching to try and find something interesting that would allow me to remember enough of what I'd already seen. That's how bad it was for me. I really struggled with this one. Yeah, that's too bad. That's too bad. It was uh, unfortunately spoiled. That's what I would say. (laughs) It's rotten. It's rotten. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I mean, the funny thing is, is we've seen worse. Yes, we have. You know, but we're just, I think it's just, like I said, we're expressing huge disappointment and um it's like you take a good um piece of uh sirloin or filet mignon and you dump a bunch of ketchup on it mm, there you go goodness. yeah don't do it don't so, do it it wasn't a piece of meat <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it wasn't horrible but it wasn't great so no with that, no with that with that review in the review mirror, what is on the yeah. docket, Bill? What have you been watching? What are you interested in? Man, that's a great question because that's what I was going to ask you. I think both you and I have been watching Better Call Saul, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And boy, what a delight that series has been so far. Yeah. Um, we are Breaking Bad fans. We are Better Call Saul fans. And uh, man, it's Saul good, man. And mm-hmm. um, I, I've been watching that. I've also been watching uh, The Kingdom, um, which is it's in its second season. In the first season, it, it's uh, it's familiar with another. It's a Korean movie mm-hmm. or series. It's kind of spun off of a, another Korean movie called Rampant. 
well, anyway, what this is, it's, it's back into the kind of the Shogun area, but in Korea and, uh, a lot of zombies. And, um, hmm. so it's, it's, it's a zombie movie back in, you know, I don't know, 1200 Korea, 1300 Korea. Mm-hmm. And, um, the second season has been less about the zombies and it's been a true, like Korean Shakespeare. And I've really enjoyed it so far mm. as well. So those have been the two I've been watching the most. Now, the irony of all that is I started to watch season one, episode one of The Kingdom last night. Oh, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> I think you're going to really like it, actually. I'm, I'm yeah. curious to see. I mean, I could, I even have to refresh myself on, on that one. But, you know, they get, it's funny with the... In the um, every single culture has this uh, over dramatization uh, in its characters. I'm sure we do it in the West, and we we it, it probably we don't even notice it that they're doing it because we're so used to it. But when you see another culture do it, you're like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's it's because it's a different culture, and we we don't we kind of see it as well. It just looks strange, but. Um, there are things that we also do in our culture, in our movies that draw things out. And you're like, oh, wait a second. I guess we do that, too. And um, but I think you'll like uh, the, the kingdom. It is it's definitely more of a zombie flick the first year. Um, mm. And then this second season I'm watching mm-hmm. is um, it starts off the zombie flick because you're you're dovetailing into this the first season. But now it's becoming a true political intrigue that's really Shakespearean. It's Macbethian. How's that? Nice. And uh, it's really interesting. I'm like, wow. And, you know, my wife's kind of going in and out of it. And I'm like, wow, this is turning out a lot better than I've ever thought of. So, yeah, I'm curious to see what you think. Um, I did see The Irishman finally. Mm-hmm. So I hate to say that. Um, I like that. It's a, I had to say it was a typical Scorsese film. Yeah. Um, which isn't a bad thing because if you like Scorsese, but um, it's it's interesting take to see if this was actually true, if these events actually happened. Um, but I, I liked it because it is a Scorsese and it kind of follows the the mob, and I and so I like that. And um, so I haven't. Uh, we've been watching some old movies because my son hasn't seen some old movies, and we saw. Um, you know, some Raiders of Lost Art two and three. And, uh, so we've been kind of dabbling, uh, all over the place, but, uh, I've been kind of afraid to pick up another season of anything else other than kingdom, because it seems like there are so many other teenage type shows out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, even if there's something is like, no, that's good. And I'm like, nah, it's a teenage show again. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of been burned. Uh, once too many times and I was kind of flipping around the dial looking for something and I landed on Aeronauts which is that oh I saw that too yeah yeah no I mean I saw that listed oh you saw it listed you didn't watch it okay no Mm -hmm. yeah it has some nice visuals it gets a little fantastical at points that almost takes you out of the me it took me out of the story at times um, but it had some good flashbacks and connecting things um, that were was kind of interesting. I'm I'm kind of into. I started reading this novel, my Michael Crick, um, Crichton ma- novel, the uh, the um, the writer who wrote uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, the um, trauma strain and yes, and I'm reading this book called Dragon's Teeth, and it's based on like it's in the 1870s and it's this professor and this young kid who's a who learns photography goes on this expedition to montana um and they dig up some bones and stuff so i'm i've kind of been reading a little bit more and so that's been pretty interesting but it might be that we we'll have to maybe talk off air and land on what our next review will be Uh, we could review better call Saul in our sleep and so <laughs> there is something appealing about that. Like being yeah, able to yeah, jump exactly. in and talk about something that we, we don't have to struggle with and we can just kind of really <laughs> talk about everything that we loved about it. I know, um, I know. It, and it's funny, it's because uh, it, it, what's so hard 
with that is that each episode has a podcast within itself, right? Mm-hmm. And to surmise it, I can almost think like, man, it's going to be something that's, it's going to be like one of those 20 pound Texas burgers, you know? Yeah, so. I Gonna be like a like a, a burrito like when I first moved to Chicago. <laughs> when I first moved to Chicago. <laughs> this guy yeah, was like, "Have you ever had a real Mexican, you know, Mexican food?" And of course, I was from northern Wisconsin and had just spent six years in the Twin Cities. And if anybody knows anything about food, like Chicago is rated in the top five in the United States, if not, you know, globally as far as food goes. And in until you live in a place that has really good food, you're like, oh, yeah, we have good food here. And then you come to Chicago. Oh, no, they have good food here. <laughs> so, he took us to this little hole in the wall um, restaurant, and that burrito was amazing. And it had a yeah. lot a lot in there. And I'm like, okay, there's not a single restaurant in all of the Twin Cities that stacks up to this little stand that's selling burritos. <laughs> Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah, we got to definitely talk about what we want to go in because uh, I know there's some some series out there that um, that have been released and there's some other ones that mm-hmm. I'm just avoiding because I'm already hearing the reviews on some of them and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to go into it. So those, should we see a movie that we haven't, um, you know, seen or caught in, mm-hmm. in case you missed it type of scenario, so. Yeah, yeah, we we'll, should talk. We'll talk and get it organized. But for now, Bill, I think that's going to do it. Okay, Tom. Sounds like a sounds like a plan. Alrighty. So for now and until next time, this has been Heroes Garage. Bye now.